I am panicky in the UK. This is Panicky Pictures. <coughs> well, it's Groundhog Day again. Uh, long time no pod. I kind of went through a personal crisis and then there was a geopolitical crisis, which you may have heard about. Um, yeah, it's been a weird time. Um, I hope you're doing well. Uh, but, you know, it is Groundhog Day. And it is my tradition to watch the film Groundhog Day every year on this date. Uh, except for one time. Yeah, I'm just checking. It was last year, which was the 30th anniversary uh, of this film coming out. I was super stressed and uh, I missed it and I watched it on the 3rd of February instead. And I felt really bad about it, which is silly, but you know. Uh, anyway, I thought it would be fun to do a little commentary track just because I've seen this movie so many times and I have so many thoughts and feelings and observations uh and I'm also testing out uh this uh omnidirectional zoom mic uh that I borrowed from someone for a work thing um so I've had a little play with it but I don't quite know uh how the audio quality is going to be but you know what it's an experiment we'll see what happens okay should we get into it uh i am going to press play on the movie i'm just turning that volume down uh three two one play all right work the second time hopefully i remember to edit out the first 321 where it didn't start playing properly. Here we go, and this is the opening. It's these uh, clouds moving across the sky. Uh, I think it's interesting, uh, the whole weatherman thing, because I don't know how much of an impact it really has on the film as a whole, and yet this is our kind of first image are, um, you know, it kind of like, it, it, it establishes the theme, I suppose. And I don't really know. I always, whenever I remember that this is the opening to the film, I'm always kind of like, huh, that's kind of weird, right? I don't know, maybe there's a juxtaposition between weather being unpredictable and the time loop being predictable. I really don't know. I mean, the, the weather thing just more seems like a MacGuffin to get Phil to Punk's tawny more than anything else. And, you know, the fact that that's his job, I wouldn't say is really a major part of the character that seems that key to me. I feel like, you know, it could be any... He could be on a, a, a conference or, you know, uh, he could be a news reporter or whatever. I'm not sure if I completely buy that the weatherman thing is uh is super important anyway <clears throat> i should remember to keep talking rather than just watching the movie um so yeah, here we go. We meet Phil at work. First we see him, he's goofing around. He's Bill Murray. You know, we know who Bill Murray is. Um, and then I think this is where you first kind of 
get a glimpse of his character where uh he obviously does not want to be going to punks or tawny uh oh sex and violence in the movies not a lot of that here um this is a little bit of violence he drives his car off a cliff here we go um <laughs> the fact that they clearly hate each other we never see this character again she's not important and the same with willie garson here we've got willie garson um in this well you couldn't call it a cameo because he's not famous at this point but uh but in a very small role and um this is also i believe the screen debut of michael shannon or at least very very early in his career i think if you scroll right down on his imdb page it's either the first or the second uh entry okay so here's rita we're getting a little face journey from phil there he's obviously attracted to her kind of against his will you know just a little bit too maybe nice a little bit corny perhaps um so i'll probably talk about this more but uh i find rita a really difficult character i i think rita is a bad character frankly um and i'll get into it a little bit more as we go along but i kind of go back and forth on whether andy mcdowell is giving a good or bad performance here it, it kind of depends on my watch, so I'll be interested to see how I feel about it on this watch. Most of the time, I'm not a big fan. Most of the time, I feel like it should have been Karen Allen, who I love so much. I love Karen Allen in absolutely everything. I think she's just this incredible, luminous actor, but she also did play the love interest to Bill Murray in Scrooge, where he kind of has a similar emotional journey like an emotional trajectory character arc right i mean it's not exactly the same character uh but there are there are huge similarities and karen allen is so good in that movie um even though it's it's a really messy film uh though i do enjoy it but she i think is probably the highlight or one of the highlights for it so we already know they have this chemistry she's gorgeous she's such a good actor i just i kind of try to project karen allen into this film sometimes when i watch it and this is a weird character detail she's about to say she loves blood sausage which i think is is weird for a love interest to say she loves blood sausage so i can't get a handle on rita she's i mean maybe that's so yeah, she's, oh, I like blood sausage. Maybe if you just think of Rita as being this total weirdo, that kind of redeems her. I feel like she's just a badly written character who's all over the place, but maybe there is a reading where she is just kind of a, a freak, uh, and maybe that's fun. I don't know. But I'll, as, as the film goes along, I will explain why I feel about Rita the way I do. Um, but I, I do think that she is the weak link of the film, really. And whether you blame the writing for that, which I definitely do, or Andy McDowell's performance for that, which I somewhat do. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the things that doesn't really work for me. He goes to the big hotel. Uh, so Phil doesn't want to stay here. 
and they're going to send him off to this bed and breakfast. And you just kind of think, how could the bed and breakfast be nicer than this big hotel, you know? He stayed two years ago, he's miserable. He's, and where did he stay last year as well, right? Because this is his, do you say, fourth year in a row? So he stayed here two years ago. Where else has he stayed the other years, right? Anyway, he's going to this bed and breakfast, which is, as we discover, not the nicest place. I mean, I'm sure it's nice for Punxsutawney and everything, but, you know, like, he doesn't have a great time there either. Uh, so mean to Larry. Poor Larry. He really doesn't kind of come out well from this film. He has a rough time. Um, when I was a kid and I first saw this movie, when I heard the line Prima Donnas, I didn't know what that meant. And I, for a long time, I didn't know what Prima Donnas meant. And I thought it had something to do with Madonna. I thought it was like pre-Madonna, like somebody that came before Madonna, right? Um, let me know if you had that too. I, I can't be the only one, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, it took me a really long time to understand what that line meant. I mean, like, I got the vibes, but, uh, but I just, I just didn't know what it actually meant. It's a nice quilt that he's lying under there. So here we go, his day one. This kind of establishes the baseline. Uh, there are a lot of time link movies out there now. It's become a big trend in recent years. I think that Edge of Tomorrow, aka Live, Die, Repeat, was the thing in, like, Western pop culture that really brought it back. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't know of any, like, major precedent to that um, in terms of the resurgence. I know that in Japanese culture it was a big thing. Uh, and indeed, um, Live, Die, Repeat uh, was based on like a manga, no, a light novel, sorry, a Japanese light novel. Um, but, uh, which, oh god, what's it called? Um, something Kill, I, I can't remember what it's called, but it has a terrible name when it's directly translated from the Japanese. And then of course, Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, they couldn't decide what to call it. It had a it had a weird title thing. Anyway, he's so mean. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Cappuccinos back in '93, I guess, would have been still seen as kind of a yuppie thing, and now a cappuccino. If somebody orders a cappuccino in front of me, I'm kind of like cappuccinos. We're still drinking those. I'm not. I'm on lattes, uh, and you know, non dairy lattes at that. Uh, so I think of, of cappuccinos as being a little bit of a throwback, but I do keep seeing people order them, so I don't know, like, maybe they're making a comeback, or, you know, maybe I'm the one who's out of touch. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so that's a fun setup for, uh, for him to, for his second day. Um... And here we go, it's the homeless man who's going to become important later. Yeah, he does that little uh, pretending to look for change. And here's Stephen Tobolowsky. Um, I guess I mostly associate him with this movie. Um, the, o the only other thing I can think of that he's been in, I know he's been in a bunch of things, he's a very prolific character actor, but the main other thing that I 
connect with him is the one day at a time reboot which i really liked um you know uh I, i feel like it had a perspective on cuban history that was potentially quite one-sided but at the same time i don't personally know enough about cuban history to really make a call on that i've seen it criticized um but you know i I, i'm not in a position to to really comment on that but i did think generally it was a pretty good show um You know what's interesting about this? He he says he he took Phil's sister out on a date, right? I don't think the sister ever comes up again. I'm going to keep an eye out to see if they ever mention the sister again or if he really mentions his family at all. I don't feel like we get that much of a handle on, on Phil's family outside of this one mention of his sister, but maybe I'm forgetting something. Oof. Uh, that is so deep. <laughs> I never understood this line. I still don't. Um, yeah, I don't. I still don't understand what that line means. Um, okay, here we go. So here's an interesting thing. I think just now, or maybe it's not in this shot. Maybe it happens later. Um, but there's a guy dancing on the bandstand. I've seen this movie so many times I notice something new every time I watch it and one of the things that I noticed on a previous watch is that there's a guy dancing on the bandstand and I think an NYU um sweater sweatshirt whatever um yeah (laughs) I only recently found out that sweater and sweatshirt are different because they're both American terms um a sweater is what we would call a jumper and a sweatshirt is like made of well it's not knitwear it's made of like jersey or no not jersey whatever sweatshirt material um but i i never understood that a sweater and a sweatshirt were different uh until pretty recently (laughs) anyway whichever one he's wearing sweater uh i think it's nyu something like that um and he's the gay waiter from the diner so there you go Does Phil feel lucky? She gives him a little... She liked that. She thought that was good. Here we go. Were they flirting there? Like, maybe there's a flirtation. Six more weeks of winter. There's no way this winter is ever gonna end. That groundhog sees a shadow. I actually don't know what the groundhog verdict was today. Uh, I should look that up. Um, he sees a shadow. 
Right, I'm looking it up now. So, Groundhog Day. <laughs> okay, apparently he predicted. See, Ash, so she didn't like that part. She didn't like the second part. Pre Madonna's. It's like, yeah, because he's from before Madonna. Um, anywho, yeah, predicted in early spring, honestly. That's what I would have guessed as well. Um, so I guess this is the only time, this is the last time we leave Punxsutawney, I think, until the end of the movie. Because I don't think we ever see him leave the town again. I guess it's kind of like a broken bridge scenario, right? You know, of course, you need that to keep him trapped. Interesting thing, isn't it? Uh, it's like the Truman Show. You know, where they engineer, <laughs> they engineer a scenario that will keep him trapped in this little town. I'm thinking. Um, he hates Punks Attorney so much. Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. Is it snowing in space? How does that work? I'd actually forgotten that happened. It's hit in the head. So he's at the hotel, I think, right? This is the this is the hotel. I, I don't know if that waiter gets any sorry, bartender gets any uh lines of dialogue. Or if it's just face acting. You're not going to be able to take a hot shower. There's no hot water. There wouldn't be today. Ah! <laughs> it's a cool shower setup. Oh, tits. I guess there wouldn't be today. Um, I guess, like, that's the last time he tries to take a shower until the end of the movie so even though he would stay as clean as he was when he woke up that day for all the subsequent days um he wouldn't actually be able to take a hot shower which i feel would definitely take its toll psychologically even though your hygiene is not decreasing like not being able to have the experience of having a hot shower for however long he's in there I think Ramus at one point said he was in there for like 10,000 years or something. He's playing yesterday's tape. Um, I never really understood that line, right? Because the, the 
I mean, I understand that he's trying to justify it to himself. Um, but it's like... That wouldn't really happen, right? Um, like, is there a precedent for that happening? Because he works in the media. Like, is that something that happens? I've never heard of that happening. I don't know. Um, what? Why is there not more snow on the ground? Yeah, what's crazy? Uh, what was I saying? (laughs) Right, the psychological toll of not being able to take a hot shower. I love a hot shower. That's all I'm saying. And this is interesting, it's the first guy that he interacts with at all in the time loop, the first other guy. You know, not a not a super important character by any means. Um and, you know, it's also really interesting, like I feel like this movie does the kind of growing confusion so well in a way that for contemporary time loop movies they kind of feel like they need to subvert this but this blueprint is so good I don't know I watched a thing called um, Meet Cute the other day which is one of the kind of many like um, time loop rom-coms that have been spawned in the last few years, um, and I actually, I thought it was interesting, there we go, the chance to departure at 80%, it's fallen a little bit, um, I thought it was really interesting, I thought there were really interesting things about it, it was flawed, <laughs> copless enough. That's never not funny. Um, And uh, yeah, we go. Homeless guy again. Stephen Tobolowsky. But yeah, it was kind of like he didn't want to do this blueprint of, um, you know, we see the first day and then we see the growing confusion. Or in that case, that wouldn't work because... Um, it's more of a willful time loop but nevertheless seeing a few iterations of the same day with these small changes I do think is the best way to do one of these movies and it was unsatisfying when Meet Cute didn't want to do that it obviously wanted to be subversive and not follow the blueprint and I understand the temptation to do that but I just think you know don't don't throw out something that works for the sake of it, you know what I mean? Like, I understand wanting to subvert a schema and do something a little bit different, but, you know, sometimes it's a schema for a reason because it works really well and it's really satisfying. And I felt like Meet Cute by trying to avoid that uh, kind of um, just didn't have as much fun as it should have had. Even though there were things that I liked about it. And um, that movie, what's the one with Andy Samberg and Christina Milioti? It was Palm Springs. I thought that was a pretty good example. Um, it doesn't like massively linger in my imagination, to be honest. But I had a good time watching it. 
for me of like the contemporary time loop things i still think edge of tomorrow is the is the high watermark i mean obviously russian doll um as a tv show still haven't seen the second season of russian doll um that's interesting isn't it that rita is the first person that he tries to discuss this with um and she kind of blows him off this is I go she just she just wants to get the job done and see this is one of the things about Rita later on he's going to tell her that he doesn't know anybody's nicer to people than she is and it's like what are you talking about there are so many nice people in Punk's Attorney and Rita is not that nice um <laughs> I love um, I do love his performance as somebody who is uh, just kind of trying to keep on a professional veneer while they're completely losing it. I uh, identify with that a lot. Prognosticator of prognosticators. Um... <laughs> oh no, he did try to have a shower again. Why would he do that? Did he learn nothing? It's a good line. What if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. It's kind of a Thursday what a concept kind of line. What pills did he take, do you think? I'm taking magnesium lately. I think it's helping. I don't know. Maybe not. We'll see. And I've been playing Disco Elysium, and in that, I think magnesium is like a hangover cure, which is not what I'm using it for. Uh, but it, um, I don't know. I feel okay. Okay, so we're on day three. Oh, yeah, there we go. Did the pencil experiment. I kind of feel like, why is that the thing <laughs> that would tip you over the edge? Like, here we go. So day three, he he's figured out what's happening. He's on a mission, but like, what's he going to do, right? Now, what he could try to do, I think, potentially, is... <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that Tobolovsky just will not give up like he gets pushed practically into traffic and he just keeps jogging along with him um but yeah like could he potentially try and get out of punk of uh, punk's tawny i said we never talk about work didn't she just meet him um anyway could he try and get out before the blizzard hits? And yeah, this is a this the first time we're going to see the diner. Uh, tip top cafe. <laughs> she really likes Bill Murray. <laughs> okay. Um. 
is that the gay waiter, I think, in the background? And one of those, tr- or the guy in the trucker hat, that's the guy he's going to hang out with later. I forget the guy's name. It's the guy he uh, drives over the train tracks with. See, she's not... Okay, I understand that she thinks it's a joke, initially. Um... But then it's like, he's clearly in distress, and she's so antagonistic. She's so... She's so mean. Oh no, okay, these are the two... Oh yeah, it's the same guy. Um, Yeah, those are the two guys he hangs out with later. So later on he's going to write that on a piece of paper and hand it to her and that's how uh, she's going to know that the uh, time loop is real. It's, I mean, maybe it's realistic that he would be able to get a doctor's appointment and uh, x-rays so quickly. Uh, I don't know what the state of the, like, American healthcare system was in the early 90s, but I'll tell you, trying to get anything like that here, like, getting the turnaround in a day, so, yeah, not gonna happen. <laughs> I don't think we see, doesn't he kind of look a little bit like Adam Driver? Um, I don't think we, we ever see this guy again, but he's... He, he's doing a great, like, super nervous performance. Abnormal psychology. Uh, <laughs> he's so scared. Um, it's another good one. <laughs> himself in the hat. Oh, here we go. He's going to hang out with those guys. He just called them the Morons. Morons? Morons. So, but yeah, he's he's hanging out with them, I guess. Is this the, this is the same day? These, these guys are sweet. Um, they're, They're good characters. I don't think we particularly... I don't think we see him hanging out with them again. I'm sure they turn up later. But, you know, I think this is the only day that he really spends in their company, particularly. And I think after this... Here we go, it's a great line. What would you do if you were stuck in one place? Every day was exactly the same and nothing you did mattered. That sums it up for me. It's a great one. Uh, anywho, um, yeah, so this is kind of one of the big turning points in the film in terms of, (laughs) um, (laughs) I never understood that either when I was a kid because I'd never heard that before. Friends don't let friends drive. Um, I found that so confusing. 
I mean, I knew you weren't supposed to drive drunk. I just didn't know the the slogan. <laughs> the way he's standing is great there. Uh, <laughs> but, um... This is an important day for Phil. And what is it? It's only day three? I think. Um... <laughs> because after this so you know he's kind of gonna go a little bit wild um oh yeah this is right be nice to your sister is one of the lines that he hit that he has in this speech so that's the other mention of his sister i guess it's just a fun little bit of continuity like Anyway, so he gets arrested, as we say. Uh, He's going to drive on the railroad tracks. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, interesting. Take it like a man. A little bit of a critique of uh, enforced masculinity there. So here we go, driving on the railroad tracks. It's a good illustration of why it's probably not a good idea. Uh oh. See, this is. Not su- I know he does swerve. Not super sympathetic. Because it's one thing for him to be endangering his own life, right? But, you know, those guys aren't in the time loop. Um, or if they are, they don't know it. Now, here's an interesting thing. Do the time loops continue on separate timelines? Uh, you know, like, does everybody else have to continue living on the timeline after Phil moves on to the next one? And is there a version of Phil who gets out of the time loop each day? Like, is there a timeline where he only lived the day once, a timeline where he lived it twice, you know, 10,000 or 100,000 or however many years worth of timelines uh, that all split off, right? We don't know. One thing we do know is that when he kills himself um, by driving over the cliff, that Rita and Larry have to identify the body, and we see that. So they at least, I guess, have to live out until 6am the next morning. Uh, So we don't know. But anyway, so this is a big turning point. I guess we're talking day four now, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, he's completely turned around now. He drove on the railroad tracks, he got arrested, but then he woke up the next day safe in his bed. So, that's great. Now we can have some fun. 
so now we come to like the fun and games uh, portion uh, of the of the movie. Um, oh, is this the one where he? Pr- yeah, there we go. Oh, <laughs> he punches him because uh, there's the eye I have missed you so much one as well, right? So here we go. Now he's starting to see it. Um, you know, as an opportunity to have some fun. We're going to have some fun and games. It's interesting. There's a thing later on where Rita says to him, you know, maybe it's not a curse, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, he's kind of already gone through that. You know, he's already treated it as an opportunity. But then he's just, like, hit a wall. Anyway. She, I feel like Rita is so judgmental uh, in this. Okay, yeah, he should. I don't love him drinking out of the thing. But, oh, he's, he's having a big meal. <laughs> he says I don't even have to floss. You know what? I don't floss, but I've been realizing I really need to take it up. My teeth are in pretty good condition. Don't get me wrong. Um, no major complaints there. But just, uh, you know, plaque is really bad for you. It gets into your brain. It messes it up. It does a lot of bad stuff. So I need to start uh, getting on top of that. Yeah. So Walter Scott. Um this is like an Austin character who's really into Sir Walter Scott. I'm uh, I'm forgetting which one it is. I think it might be Fanny Price, uh, who likes Walter Scott, or maybe it's Anne. Anyway, either way, uh, yeah, like again, like Rita being someone who just kind of recites poetry in casual conversation totally the kind of thing I would do but she's so bitchy about it I don't know it just kind of doesn't make me warm to her oh here we go so this is Nancy Wheeler right now Marita Garati I believe is the name of this actor um yeah Marita Garati Nancy Taylor not Nancy Wheeler that's from something else Nancy Wheeler, what is that from? Okay, I've got to look it up because it's going to bother me otherwise. Uh... Stranger Things, okay. I, I watched a couple of seasons of Stranger Things, but yeah, I did not remember that. I don't even know where that was buried in my subconscious, but anyway. Um, so he's going to convince poor Nancy that they went to high school together now as a kid I never picked up on this but at a certain point a few years ago I was like hang on a second are they the same age because I really feel like they're not right and I looked it up and Bill Murray is roughly 12 years older than Marita Garrity uh, oh, that's another line. I never understood that line. When I was a kid, I thought it was, I was short and I was proud of it. Um, 
it took me so I think I it took me watching it with the subtitles on to understand that he was saying sprouted. But anyway, yeah, he's like twelve years older than her, and he looks it right. And I I think it's messed up that he gaslights this woman into thinking that they are the same age and that they went to high school together. And I feel like she must have really low self-esteem not to question that. Even though I get that it's funny, like, you know, the implanted memory thing, um, and how that works, nevertheless. I mean, you know, obviously, okay, (laughs) to be clear, gaslighting people into sleeping sleeping with you is bad anyway. Um, Nevertheless, and then he says, oh, Rita, yeah. I actually, I hate that. I I have never been a fan of this thing in movies where, like, somebody realises or it's signaled to the audience that a character is attracted to another character because they, like, say the wrong name in bed. Now, maybe this is a thing that happens in real life, um, but, like... I don't know, man, really? I I don't know if there's a thing you hear about, like, people saying the wrong name in bed, but I don't know how much that's a real thing that actually happens. Um, anyway, it's, I've never liked that as a piece of writing. I think it's not good characterization. Even if, even if you buy it, even if you think that's a real enough thing, uh, to happen, I still think it's not an elegant way of signaling somebody's feelings. I think if you have to resort to that, then you haven't... And of course, that's the waitress from Tip Top, Doris. Um, I think if you have to resort to that as a way of demonstrating that a character has feelings for another character, then you are not trusting the actors to be able to convey that you know uh and also like uh i don't know i just don't get why he's so into rita i really don't i mean andy mcdowell's a very beautiful woman but i just you know whatever she doesn't do it for me in this movie uh, <laughs> this is great where did he get the car though where did he get that car did he steal it what happened? And where did he get the cowboy outfit? Um, so many questions. Um, nevertheless, uh, very funny. And he's about to say he loves this movie. He's seen it over a hundred times. Uh, which is how I feel about this film. Um, but... I don't know who that woman is, right? Have we met her before? I don't think so. Um, But I'm not great with faces, so... Well, it's not Nancy, obviously. That's Nancy. Um... (laughs) That's funny. Um, But yeah, like, who's this woman? Where did he meet her? Um... (laughs) Two adults, that's funny. I feel like that maybe was improv. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't remember if we see that woman ever again. I have so many questions about who she is. I can't remember what she says. I want to know where to put the camera. 
yeah, like, she's very ambitious, right? She's kind of a little bit hard-nosed. I mean, she's no Holly Hunter in broadcast news, but I feel like maybe that's supposed to be the archetype that they're drawing on there. Um... So I was trying to get to know her, and I think this is this is where she says something like, I don't want to work for channel, whatever. Um, it's an interesting face she makes there, where she's just, she kind of like, slightly challenging face. And this is where she's going to list all of the qualities that she's looking for in a man. And I guess it's kind of like he's going to eventually turn into this guy. But it's not 100%. It's not like a one-to-one, I think. Sometimes I go months without looking is a funny line, but I really don't, oh my, I just kind of feel like, this feels so generic, what she's saying in this scene. Oh, I want career, marriage, family, kids, and I I don't know, I, I just don't, I don't get a, like, sense of a real character in this scene from her. It just feels very boilerplate. <laughs> so I guess every other loop they uh they did drive out of town. But I wonder if he went with them on the other loops, right? Would he have made some excuse to stay in Punk's Tawny just to save time, presumably? Here we go. Oh, he does have some dialogue. Sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. And then he's committing it to memory. He's going to order the same thing. Why would that be attractive? I've never understood that. I feel like that's the thing a lot. It's kind of like, oh, we're drinking the same drink. And who gives a fuck about that? I would never be attracted to somebody just because they were drinking the same thing as me. Who cares? I mean, I, like, you know, maybe it's an icebreaker or a conversation starter, but it's not. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I mean, it's a good sequence. It's a fun sequence. Oh my god, I hate this. She says, what should we drink to? Inviting him to come up with a toast. He does a goofy one, which is fine, and then she's immediately like, no, that's bad, you should drink to world peace. Okay, you toast then. Don't invite the other person to toast and then shit on their toast. And, I mean, you know, I, this whole sequence is interesting, right, because I feel like it's something that a lot 
of viewers fixate on when i hear people talking about this movie they're always kind of like oh he tricks her into falling in love with him by memorizing all this stuff about her and using it against her but that's actually not at all what happens because this is the sequence where he does that and it's clearly like a bad thing like they show that it's a bad thing they show him getting increasingly unhinged and desperate as he does it and her getting creeped out you know and then he abandons the whole thing because it's clearly not right and not working so i kind of feel like it's a very shallow reading of this movie to be like oh he gaslights her into falling in love with him when actually we see him do that before his redemption arc right um it's clearly signaled that this is not what he should be doing is that i just like to go with the flow see where it leads me okay but sorry what's up um is that really true or is she more career oriented because everything we've seen of her so far has been fairly career oriented um uh but here she's like yeah i just want to go with flow blah 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 it feels contradictory and then yeah he's gonna yeah he's clearly saying this i wish we could all live in the mountains etc he's clearly saying this based on a previous conversation that they've had right so the idea is um yeah like that's what she wants but yeah it just seems like a contrast it's like okay is she this chill person who just wants to go with the flow and who loves poetry or is she this ambitious career woman who just wants to know where to point the camera um and is kind of hard-nosed it feels like the film can't decide who she is this this part reminds me you know that episode of seinfeld where jerry uh pretends to be depressed to impress a woman uh just that scene obviously they're having fun now but see this is good it's like they have this perfect day together or you know one that he finds to be perfect and then he tries to recreate it so many times that it completely loses all of the magic you know because the spontaneity is the thing that actually makes it work and that makes it exciting and interesting and then when it becomes rote he it sucks all of the joy out of it and again i think like that's an important part of the film you know is is this contrast between him being spontaneous and acting on instinct and him doing this kind of super rehearsed stuff and of course by the end everything is rehearsed because basically he has no other choice he's tried everything he doesn't really have an opportunity to be spontaneous anymore but what he's rehearsing has changed you know it's no longer his self-interest um he's you know he's he's trying to make a positive difference in the world rather than just trying to get this desired outcome for himself so that's the the big difference i love this song
See that, I mean, yes. So, <laughs> he has done all this before, done the whole lead up before. But you can still clearly see, like, in the difference between that snowman scene and then the subsequent times we see it, like, there, there is a freshness to the first time we see it that makes me think it is of his first time doing that part. It's also interesting, it's kind of like, is he doing this because he's just so desperate to sleep with her, or does he think that that's going to unlock the time loop? Um, this is, yeah, I mean, this is creepy. I mean, I think, I feel like probably was creepy even at the time. And you kind of get those vibes, because she's obviously uncomfortable, but I think particularly now, um, you know, it, it, it is a super uncomfortable scene. Um, but again, like, this is the, the contrast with subsequent scenes. There's the one, once he kind of gives up on this quest, it goes on for a little bit, him, trying to seduce her with the kind of rehearsed thing. Um, but then when he makes a real connection with her through honesty afterwards, and they have a scene together that feels genuinely sweet, whereas this, there's just like an undercurrent, like she's, oh, let's not spoil it, that's so interesting. I never noticed that before, but she says that to Ned Ryerson later. Let's not spoil it. Isn't that interesting? Um, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, I think there's just kind of like a, an undercurrent of discomfort, not quite threat, but definite discomfort, uh, to this scene. Yeah, and then the way they're dressing her as well, it's kind of like, okay, trying to go for, like, a kind of Annie Hall, Diane Keaton thing, just doesn't kind of totally come off to me. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, it's clear that the film isn't condoning this behaviour. This is a key line, I think, where he says, I don't even like myself. And by the end of the film, he's turned himself into a person who does like himself, and that's key, you know, because he can't, oh, come on, as if that hurt, uh, she slapped him, and he put the ice cream in his face, it didn't hurt, um, so here we go, we're seeing the snowman scene again, and this is where it starts to get this kind of desperation, you know, he's got like this manic energy trying to recreate what happened before, but yeah, the slap thing, I think is interesting. We do have a montage of her slapping him, which I, again, I feel like goes against this idea that, you know, she's so kind and so great and he doesn't know anybody who's nicer to people than she is. Like, she's pretty slap happy. Um, yeah, and like, see, she's confused, she's kind of weirded out by his energy, um, like, he's, he's a little bit off, here we go, we have the slap montage. So it's, like, very obvious that the film is not saying, here's what you should do. 
and one thing that drives me crazy is the the movie about time which i hate i hate that film in the movie about time he literally does just keep going back in time trying to impress this woman until he finally gets it right and the film is like that's fine that's a perfectly fine and normal thing to do and it worked and now they're together and she never finds out she never knows that that's what happened um a little bit of foreshadowing with the ice sculptures there he's so here we go he's taken a turn into depression um but uh oh god he really does look bad uh yeah i know that feeling um so yeah now we have the depression sequence um but uh what was i saying (laughs) yeah about time is the movie to point to when you want to point to a movie about somebody like using time travel or a time loop or whatever to gaslight a woman into falling in love with them that's what that is that's not what this movie is this movie very carefully examines that idea and then discards it and then moves on from it right um <laughs> oh, she's <laughs> poor um what's her name who uh who runs the B&B very freaked out by his jeopardy ability this is great I love him <laughs> uh, great stuff from Phil there be cold it's gonna be gray and it's gonna last you for the rest of your life that's how i felt about january but here we are um yeah getting into some dark stuff at this point um in the movie i believe we are about to move into the suicide montage wait i'm just realizing did he roll up in the big car after he stole that money from the back of the van is that what happened oh man if i weren't recording this i'd be so tempted to go back and check if that was the sequence of events uh here we go so this is the one where he kidnaps the other phil That's another thing, like, the symmetry between him and the groundhog, the fact that they're both called Phil. It kind of doesn't matter, right? Like, (laughs) like, are he and the groundhog supposed to be sort of thematically linked in some way? So she's, like, showing genuine concern for him right now. I've come to the end of me. 
וואו. <laughs> I love how cute they are with the groundhog. They love this guy. So here we go. He thinks it's the groundhog's fault. Uh, so he's uh, he's driving off with the groundhog. He's not gonna let the groundhog drive. <laughs> I love the cops are just like kidnap Phil. Immediate car chase. <laughs> so dark. Larry thinks he's gonna fuck it. <laughs> oh, very funny. That's where his head immediately goes to. Um, but yeah, so here we go. There's this idea that the 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 magical time loop properties are imbued in Phil the Groundhog. Um, I'm like, what's he doing? Why is he driving like that? Turns out it's the groundhog driving. Pretty cute. Um, groundhog's moving its mouth a lot. I don't know why. Hope it's not in distress. But anyway. It's just kind of grinding its teeth a little bit. I don't know. It's like they gave it some food. I know they used to give Mr. Ed peanut butter to make him move his mouth. So I don't know if they just kind of like... <laughs> uh, gave the groundhog. Don't drive angry is another phrase that just feels very like embedded in my mind. From from being a kid. For some reason it always stuck out to me. I don't know why. I guess it, Is it a phrase? I don't feel like I've otherwise heard it used that much. But I guess it must be a phrase. Uh, here we go. Yeah, Thelma and Louise moment now. Um, but yeah, I wonder if they gave that groundhog uh, something to to eat, to chew on, to stop it from freaking out. That's why it was moving its mouth so much, I don't know. So I think this is the only time he kills himself and the groundhog. I feel like this is the only time that he kills another living being, right, alongside himself. Obviously he puts those two, like, trucker guys or whatever, um, Ralph and Gus, he puts them in danger a little bit with the train thing. But I think this is the only time he actually kills anything other than himself. So here we go. It's pretty dramatic. The truck going off the cliff like that, down in the quarry. <laughs> he might be okay. And then the car explodes. He says, probably not now. Uh, that's a, a really good line. Don't know why the car exploded. Very dramatic, but that's fine. Um, also, that's not the one where they identify his body. I thought that was. I think it must be the one where he steps in front of the truck, maybe, is that one? I don't know. Here he is again, his PJs. I've had days like this.
I'd actually forgotten. I remember he drove off the cliff and then he went in front of the truck. And I think he jumps off a building as well. I had forgotten about the toaster thing. That can't be a good way to die, can it? I don't know. I guess probably quick. I don't know. Here we go. Stepping in front of the truck. I love his expression in that scene. I think about that a lot. And that's really good. And yeah, okay, here's the one where he jumps off the building. Um, and I always remember this because it's not actually up that high. No, that'd be high. Yeah, that'd be high enough to kill you. Yeah, here we go. So this is the one where they identify the body. So this confirms that the timeline doesn't automatically reset when he dies. Uh, unlike in edge of tomorrow right (laughs) um so they at least have to wait out the day i guess he does look really dead in that um so here we go so this is the the day where he really gets through to her and is honest with her and they actually kind of uh connect um but yeah, I always remember him going off the building and flipping around because I always thought there was kind of a symmetry between that and some of the shots of the numbers flipping over on the on the clock. So I can't remember if this is the same day where he hands her the note <coughs> and he takes her back to the B&B and they throw the cards into the hat or if there's another day I think this is the same day yeah here we go (laughs) Doris here we go Debbie and her fiance Michael Shannon. It's okay, you'll see him later. This is Bill. Here we go. The gay waiter. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna see him again later. Oh. that's mean don't say that about nancy anyway i really feel bad for nancy genuinely here we go hoping for more than channel 9 pittsburgh everybody knows that See, again, it's like, oh, she's ambitious. Uh, again, it's like, okay, what is she? Is she a career person? Does she just want to go with the flow and live in the mountains? What is it? The thing about crawling underneath to be alone. I mean, that's interesting. You're very generous. You're kind to strangers and children. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, do we... Have we seen that? Hmm. 
like I said, you know, there's definitely some commonality, I think, between this... Yeah, so this is where he hands her the note. There's definitely some commonality between this and Truman Show. It's interesting. There was definitely this thing in the 90s of, like, what if you were a straight white guy who was trapped in a small town, which was also It's Wonderful Life, of course. It was. It's an odd thing, right? It's like... That was the anxiety in the 90s. I don't know. It's interesting. It's kind of a transitional period, I guess. Where... I don't know. I kind of feel like American, like, straight white guys in the 90s didn't have a ton of problems. So these high-concept films invented problems for them to have which is like ennui I guess I'm not saying there were not I mean obviously it's a huge generalization I'm just saying like as a kind of general cultural trend it's like these 90s movies these high concept 90s movies are kind of just about like malaise like a general malaise um and about conquering that um, and I guess externalizing it. I don't know. I I'm this is off the dome. I might be way off. And she goes, maybe it's not a curse. He goes, gee, you're an upbeat lady. Gosh, you're an upbeat lady. Sorry, my mistake. Um, but it's like he's kind of already done that, right? He's already like been through that mindset of thinking. Uh, you know, um, that it's not a curse. But yeah, like, there's a big contrast between this and their, their date in the snow and everything, because he is being genuine with her, I think. And this is, like, a real connection, like I said, there's honesty here. And it is interesting, like, okay, yeah, in the final loop... Um, he's not honest with her. I think it's because it's so much effort for him to convince her. And he has moved past the idea that a relationship with her is going to be the thing that ultimately fulfills and releases him. Um, and I think that's important, actually. Because there are totally movies where this would be the final loop because he's finally opened up to her they finally made a connection and you know that's what that's what unlocks it um but of course in this case that is not what happens um something different happens which we'll get to only god can make a tree this was my first time being aware of uh, Only God Can Make a Tree, the poem. I think him promising he won't touch her when she falls asleep. Uh, I, I don't know what... It, it would be interesting to like time travel back to 93. 
well I guess that wouldn't work because I would still have my current cultural sensibilities but like just to kind of get an idea of how that line read in 93 yeah kindest sweetest prettiest person I've ever met in my life I've never seen anyone that's nicer to people than you are when we had a whole slap montage there's a whole thing where he's trying to ask her for help and she's being very antagonistic and skeptical I just don't think that is true of Rita. See, this might be true. The first time I saw you, something happened to me. Um, I kind of feel like you see that on his face. Um, But at the same time, it's like... How much of that is really true and how much of it is really about her and how much of it is just happenstance? And if he had got stuck in a time loop with somebody else, he would have fallen in love with them. This is interesting. I don't deserve someone like you. Um, So this kind of next part, the sort of third act of the movie, I guess is him trying to turn himself into somebody who does deserve her. Which still kind of, to a degree, maybe positions her as a trophy. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a cynical way of interpreting that sentiment. But you can look at it that way. But here we go. So I believe that this is when we get into the part where he is going to start to try and save the homeless guy. And I think this is really interesting as well. And it's also worth mentioning, I think, that there is a similar thread, a similar plot thread in Scrooged of, um, yeah, here we go, of him. Uh, Well, there's a homeless guy uh, in Scrooged who kind of, to a degree, fills a similar plot function, I think. Oh, here we go. Okay, yeah, so he's bring them coffee and the donuts. He's gonna talk about um, setting up the camera in a different place, I think. Yeah, here we go. Oh, Penn State. Is that right? Penn State? Is that the waiter? I'm sure it is. Yeah, so I can't remember when it turns into him trying to save the homeless guy, but I think it's pretty shortly after this. I don't think there's a whole bunch more um, between this and and that whole sequence, which is not super long. How's Larry if he has kids? Like... Oh, God, I forgot about the piano thing, of course. Of course the piano thing. Okay, so yeah, so we have to do this now. Um, I always think this is really fun. (laughs) Um, Well, I'll say it when we get to it, which is later. Um, But I feel like there's a a really funny payoff to this. God, the dog mailbox... Why is that so stuck in my head? Oh, and this is the same woman 
that he asks on day two, um, it's still just once a year, isn't it? See, again, every time I watch this movie, I notice a new thing, and that was new to me. I did not put together that it was the piano teacher that he spoke to in that scene right at the beginning. Uh, again, I'm not great with faces, which is why. Um, <laughs> that poor girl. <laughs> Does he do that every day subsequently? A dream of spring. <laughs> Ciao. Uh, <laughs> great reaction. You're so impatient with him. Well, not impatient, but just like... Okay, he's doing a bad job. He's new at this. Oh, and of course, the ice sculpting thing. it does take to learn how to ice sculpt. I wonder if Bill Murray could really play the piano and if he was pretending to be a worse player than he was and how you would do that. Because I feel like there's so much muscle memory that goes into playing the piano um, <laughs> I've forgotten this part. Well, no, I remembered it, but then I forgot it again. Anyway, um, <laughs> Ned, don't be such a homophobe. Anyway, um, <laughs> relax. Um, but yeah, like, does he, is he pretending to not be able to play the piano as well as he can. I feel like that would be hard. I don't know. So here we go. So now this is when we get into this sequence. Um, and I think this is really important too. Because again, you could end the movie this way with him saving this old man's life. And that's how he does it. That's how he gets out of the time loop because he does something altruistic and he saves a life and that's how the kind of puzzle is unlocked. And I think it's really important that that's not how it works because it's not just about doing this one good deed and like earning points, it's actually about genuinely going through something transformative within yourself and acceptance, acceptance of the fact that you might never get out of this loop and doing your best anyway every day to make a difference around you, even if you feel like it might be hopeless or it might ultimately not matter, that Oh, this always confused me as a kid. They was calling him, like, Dad and Pop. 
I truly did not understand that at all. I really thought it was his long lost father and that that was like a secret thing that was now being revealed in this scene. It was, and I think maybe also the Truman Show connection is there because in the Truman Show, his long lost father shows up in the guise of a homeless person. So maybe there was like a connection there in my mind. But no, I was just totally confused about the fact. Here we go, final day. Um, this is very nice. This is a great speech. Um, see, that's a great line, a long and lustrous winter. Because I guess the whole thing with Groundhog Day is wanting winter to be over. But he reaches a point, Groundhog Day the festival I mean, he reaches a point by the end of the film where he has embraced winter. Like, if it's winter forever, okay. That's your life and you make the most of it and you play the hand that you're dealt. Even if it is eternal winter. And yeah, again, he's he's given up on the homeless guy now. He knows that he can't help him. But what he can do, he's found the places where he can do good. Um, he's identified that. So it's like he's trying to maximise his potential to do good. It's very utilitarian. Um... <laughs> And it's also kind of like, he's not a saint, you know, he's still funny, he hasn't lost his edge. Um, But he's looking beyond himself for validation, he's looking beyond a romance with Rita for validation, and he's looking beyond, like, one big heroic deed for validation. It's just a lot of little good deeds. It reminds me of that Wordsworth line, which I think about a lot from Tintin Abbey. Um, and I'm not going to be able to quote it verbatim, but it's something like that best portion of a good man's life, his little unremembered act of kindness and of love. I'm missing a word, but it's something like that. Uh, give Tintin Abbey a read if you haven't already. It's a, it's a good one. Oh, here's another one. So that's the guy. That's one of the Groundhog guys. And it took me so many watches to get that. Um, I think it was only like a year or two ago that I realised that the guy he, uh, he saved from choking was one of the Groundhog guys. And again, like, probably everybody finds that super obvious. Um... Oh, Nancy and Larry. It's not a match. It's sad. Poor Larry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was the last to notice, but it took me so, so long, because I'm so terrible with faces, to realise that uh, the choking guy and uh, Groundhog Guy were the same guy. <laughs> I wish we'd seen more between Rita and Nancy. Like, what if they'd become friends, you know? What if we'd seen that? That might have been nice. We already get to see Rita interact with a ton of people. Uh, 
other than Phil. A little bit of Larry, but not a huge amount. Like, that might have been a good way to kind of fill out her character a little bit. Um, And yeah, see, I think the other thing is, like, yeah, like, Rita's pursuing him now, and that's important, you know? Um, It's not about her... Again, like, you know, you can kind of see it as a trophy thing because, um, you know, he gets the girl at the end because he deserves it. But it's her choice, you know. She finds herself drawn to him and she pursues him. um, Rather than, than him trying to kind of wear her down or convince her and and I do think that's really important and I don't really feel like this film is remembered as a romantic comedy particularly even though the romance is a fairly crucial part of it and I think that's because the film resists the idea that succeeding at the romance is going to solve all of Phil's problems, you know, he has to get past that and look beyond it, and he essentially has to, he kind of has to fall in love with humanity, you know, not just with Rita, he has to fall in love with, okay, here's the, that's the line, he's my student, she met him that day, he's had one lesson with her, and she says, I'm so proud, that's really funny, and the fact that he didn't stop going to her, even when he became, like, incredibly proficient at the keyboard, (laughs) he just kept going to her every day anyway, um, that's fun. And we're gonna see Michael Shannon again in a second, (laughs) uh but yeah he has to i don't know i said it he has to fall in love with humanity um it's not just about getting the girl it's about it's about community you know it's about getting over yourself I guess yeah getting over yourself that's essentially what he has to do um here we go there's Michael Shannon looking so young and fresh-faced and super handsome as well uh I haven't really seen Michael Shannon in anything for a few years I wonder what he's been up to I feel like the last thing I remember seeing him in was probably The Shape of Water I don't really know what he's done since then. <laughs> WrestleMania! That's great. Honestly, that I would... Not that I would want to get married or be on a honeymoon, but if I was going to go on a honeymoon, I would love to go to WrestleMania for my honeymoon. I'm like the most popular guy at the party now. (laughs) 
Doris is dancing with somebody in the back of the shot. I do love that you see the same people again and again. Oh, and also, like, he at the beginning of the film, he says he hates this hotel. And then at the end, um, this is where he spends the night. And, you know, he's he's chosen to spend the night there. So, I don't know. The, the hotel represents humanity. The hotel represents the world. I don't know. Whatever. Punk's tawny. Who knows? But it still feels significant, I think. Buster's busy. <laughs> Fine specimen. Wow, big spender. Did she just... She just had that much cash on her, I guess? $339.88. I mean, that must be a cash amount that she had on her. What a weird amount of cash to have. Maybe in the 90s, that was more normal. I don't know. Must be nice. Oh, I don't like this joke. I feel like it's mean-spirited. Poor Larry. Oh, come on. Two bits is 25 cents. So a bit is 12.5 cents. Why? I don't understand that. Oh, Ned Ryerson. So this is, and again, this is a little bit mean-spirited, right? Um, that they don't want to hang out with him. Um, I mean, I get it, they're on a date. That's, that's, let's not spoil it. Ha ha ha. I'm not sure I got that. But again, it is a callback to uh, her saying it, let's not spoil it to him earlier on. Which, again, first time that I picked up on that. I'm not sure about the ice sculpting thing. I I don't even... I guess it looks like her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't totally get why that's part of it. I guess just so that he can say this line. Um, but yeah, I don't really know if, if the ice sculpting thing totally lands for me. 
And she doesn't get freaked out when he says he loves her this time. Even though they haven't spent the day together at all, it still feels like kind of a big rush. They met yesterday for her. Um, They had a conversation this morning. And then, basically, he's been gone the whole day. They danced together at the thing. She bought him at the auction. That's it, really, in terms of her interactions with him on this day. She met him the day before or something. And maybe it's not precisely the day before. Maybe it's a couple of days before. But yeah, it still seems pretty sudden. Here we go. There's a misdirect. They're going to play the same song again. But then it turns out they really were just repeating the song from yesterday. Um, and again, like, yeah, making it super clear they didn't sleep together. Why is he wearing different pajamas? Those aren't his normal pajamas. I feel like I. I'm just noticing that. He has those dark, like, kind of navy blue or royal blue pajamas that he normally wears. Is that just his shirt? Did he just fall asleep in his shirt that he was wearing? Is that the shirt he was wearing? I don't know. He's got one of those, um, what do you call that kind of collar? I actually like that kind of collar. I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. I like it. What do you call it, man? Is it just a straight collar? Anyway. And it's covered in snow. And the people are gone. It's really good. His, just his acting in that moment when he puts his face in his hand like that and says today is tomorrow. Yeah, for some reason, they want to make it super clear they didn't sleep together, I don't know. One thing that's interesting, Andy McDowell was the love interest in another kind of um, high concept comedy movie of around this time multiplicity and again it's like the magical stuff is happening to the guy and she's just kind of like in the background and he's not telling her about it i feel like it's worse in that movie because i feel like phil has an excuse here he does try to tell her about it a bunch of times he succeeds at least once um but i feel like he's probably gonna tell her at some point right Although, I don't know, maybe he doesn't want to jeopardise it because it would make him seem crazy. We'll rent to start, last line of the movie. And yeah, I I do think that's kind of like a (laughs) fun, like, ambivalence there of, like, he's fallen in love with Punxsutawney, but also this is his first opportunity in... 10,000 years or whatever you want to say it is uh, to get out of there. 
so you probably would want to at least like go on holiday or something right and now we're back to the clouds again um so that's the end of that movie uh and here we are um so if i've seemed kind of critical first of all i have no idea how this audio is going to turn out and i am not really going to edit it i'm just going to edit the part at the beginning um so i hope it's not terrible i know there was some dead air there where i just started watching the movie or got distracted and trailed off but you know whatever right um but i do just want to say you know if it seems like i've been a little bit harsh on this film or a little bit critical it's only because i've seen it so many times and i've done so much thinking about it and picking it apart and that's because i love it it's one of my favorite movies of all time i have a standing date to watch it every year um and uh you know it's it's an incredibly important film to me and that's why I've spent so much time pulling it apart and thinking it about thinking about it and thinking about what does work so well in it and what maybe doesn't work so well in it what has aged poorly it's not it doesn't mean that I don't love this film um so so yeah so if if it's come across as negative it's only because I've just spent so 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 much time with this film turning it over in my head and uh analyzing it and thinking about it which I hope speaks to how important it is to me um really yeah like one of one of the most important films in my life probably um and incredible that even on this watch there were still things that I was picking up on that I didn't remember noticing before um which is just amazing given how many times I've seen it and I hope that the stuff that I pointed out wasn't like totally obvious um I hope if anybody has listened to this all the way through that I have um pointed out something that they didn't notice about the film before or that this has at least been kind of interesting uh and if not hey whatever that's fine too all right well that's the end of the movie so uh see you when i see you uh and in case i don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night